gentlemen, we are back. This is the 11th anniversary show we're doing tonight for Halloween 2019, if you can believe it. Started the show, what, on uh, October 28th or 29th, 2008. So it's been quite a uh, long run, a long time. Dr. Hans Utter has been on the show 45 times as of tonight. I figured there was no better guest to have on than he for uh, doing, uh, you know, an anniversary show. Thanks, Hans, for coming on again tonight. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, it's, uh, it's a pleasure and wish everyone a happy Samhain ritual. Right. Hope you got your bonfires ready to do sacrifices. <laughs> the ancient Celtic religion, that is that is linked with Halloween, you know, and that's, anyways, it, you know, it's, uh, it's true. Well, I mean, you know, that, this is a linkage. This is, um, I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but Halloween, the word even just first came into usage in 1757 with a poem by Robert Burns, uh, 17, around there, maybe 58, but, and then, um, and then really it was in the 1920s and 30s that Halloween, as we know it, trick-or-treat be, actually became something, right? There's an article called Halloween and the Masked Child. It's another invented tradition, and it's linked with, uh, oh, you know, Samhain or this or that. You know, you you know, you look up on Halloween, but actually. Beltane and all that stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the whole thing is just, just the same same thing, right? Well, uh, what was it? The Church of Satan came out a couple of years ago saying, thanks for giving them one day a year to uh, of worship, you know, where we worship their God. You know, but uh, Hans, so let's see, four years ago, if you can believe this already, four years ago, you and I were just wrapping up our Music, Mind Control, and Psychobiology series that took us about a year to, to do. And then uh, four years ago, tomorrow, tonight, I was just finishing uh, editing on the War of the Worlds. It was released at midnight on the 30th on Hallow's Eve. And three years ago, uh, this week, we were wrapping up the Laying the Dead to Rest series. Wow. So this is a, it's a good season. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> time, well, you know, it's it, like the War of the Worlds, I remember... I just want to say this is that I, I, I remember when you got some of these original source documents, right. Um, that really showed what was going on. And that was, that was your, your work, you know, bringing that stuff out, you know? And so that's, uh, and even the war of the worlds, right. We did a lot of research. You were, I think you were at Princeton. I was somewhere, I think I was at Yale. Yeah. I was at Princeton for almost two weeks, uh, doing research on that. I was also pulling, uh, original documents on uh, Watson and all these guys out of the Princeton archives and whatnot uh, for my MKUltra research. But um, there was so much overlap in what I was researching. I was, you know, spent days and days at the uh, Mud Library at Princeton and also at the Firestone Library. But, um, you know, going through all these archives and then started knowing, you know, you started throwing me some names to look up, like... Uh, Frank, what was his name? Frank Stanton or, or uh, who, what was his name now? Geez, it's been a few years. I, I'm forgetting these names. Well, but, the whole thing actually came out, right, of the Princeton Radio Project. Right. Which was, and, and it was, um, it was an operational 
uh, gesture, so to speak, right? It was a, it was a deployment and the research was set up and they're actually, and some of the stuff, you know, like you were like actually at these locations, right? I think you went to the field or something. Right? Oh yeah, dude. Were- yeah. So, you know, and I recommend people check out our war of the world show that you and I did, but, uh, yeah, we, you know, we went down to, uh, my girlfriend at the time and I, we went over to the Grover's mill and we went to the water tower and we went to the field where they did the so-called landing and all of this stuff. And we shot video of the whole thing, took, you know, collected all the evidence. And it was 3.1 miles, almost in a straight line, down from the Princeton uh, University Library, where all of this stuff was uh, went down, you know. Well, there's, um, speaking of these numbers, you always got to convert to kilometers, right? And sometimes it'll be in miles, sometimes kilometers. Example, there's the the road in Alaska. Um, yeah. It's and it's exactly 666 kilometers, but it's like 405 whatever 405 miles or something. So it's um you know it's quite interesting that uh, that the War of the Worlds. I mean, it was the Princeton Radio Project. I mean, that is so central because that is the understanding, right? Of of the new, I'm just muting my phone here. Um, that was the the beginning, right, of the really um, close study of the mass media and the mass mind, right? And so out of that, you know, so many things came. And if you look at War of the Worlds as being a an outgrowth, right? Alport, Gordon Alport, and all the other, other people so associated with that, right? They had the study ready to go almost, you know what I mean? It's almost like the 9-11 report. They had it ready to go. Paul Lazar's field. Uh, I just had it up here on the screen. <clears throat> but anyways, I mean, that's, see, to understand that event, right, it's A, understand that it's sold as this thing of this mass hysteria outbreak, right? But what did it? what is it? If you look at study of the radio, um, you look at, say, um, you know, the Frankfurt School right. uh, member who described the, using Lacanian psychoanalysis, right? The inner mirror. And the inner mirror is a stage in a child's life where the child actually sees themselves, right? The inner representation as the, the adult or whatever. Not the stage that you actually should, you know, it's, it's not supposed to last your whole life, right? But what um, Adorno, Theodore Adorno described was the, uh, the mirroring. Like if you hear a pop song about, you know, you become that person in your inner mirror, right? So the media actually can reflect that. And FDR, um, you know, was the, um, you know, was, was really the test case, right? The fireside chats, um, the New Deal era. But during that time, of course, we had what? We had a massive crushing of the press. Is that uh, why Greg Carlson or Carlwood or whatever calls his show the fireside chat or no, his is the higher side chats. Never mind. Mix that yeah. up. So. Yeah. But, but that, that whole period, right. Was we see it, we have one thing, you go see your public works, these paintings or like this bridge was built by the public works project. Okay. But FDR ruthlessly shut down H.L. Mencken, um, Father Conglin, um, was it the R- William Randolph Hearst, right? The film 
Orson Welles made Citizen Kane, that's considered to be this great, the greatest film of all time, was actually a hit piece on the newspaper publisher. Okay, but he was going against FDR. He was not as a, you know, he was the early supporter, but he had critical columnists. There was critical articles and they were just shutting the stuff down. Um, and H.L. Mencken, right, he wrote this column almost his whole life. And then he just suddenly just disappeared out of the scene and he wrote some, you know, some autobiographical books, but he just right dropped out of politics. But that then we have Orson Welles. Who does he tie into directly? What? War of the Worlds, right? Right. So. Well, and uh, so Orson Welles, well, let's see, let's bring him up here. Uh, you know, of course, I don't know if anybody in the audience still does the uh, drinking game, but, uh, you know, direct ties directly to Aldous Huxley, whom uh, we constantly have exposed in all of this. But he also did the Air Raid show. Uh, he was tied to Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia uh, whole episode there. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Charles Lindbergh, um, the Lindbergh baby, that was a ritual murder, okay? So, and that Lindbergh ties in, you know, America First Party, whatever. And so that was these uh, people, like very prominent people, right? FDR was aggressive, highly aggressive. I mean, he would talk to people personally. I mean, the press was probably his, one of his utmost concerns besides, uh, you know, allowing all the communist infiltrators you know, the red menace, right? I just think that stuff was like super kooky, right? You're like, oh, the red menace, you know, communism. I'm like, hey, it sounds pretty good to me, man. Now we like, know it's true, though. Now you see what communism and communitarianism and socialism are, and it's like, crap, I don't want that, you know? Look around the world, and it's, you know, it literally wrecks every society it touches. And you have uh, AOC promoting this Green New Deal nonsense that needs 93 trillion dollars to implement and they have to go around with you know with machine guns to enforce it and all of this stuff and uh you know what's it, interesting is see how many presidents think about this aoc why is she known as aoc who else is known even a with their middle name but b as initials you've got <laughs> jfk you got fdr and you got aoc tell me another another you think of them Nixon, you don't think NIK, NIB, or, or like uh, JB, JBN, you know, no, you just think Nixon. Reagan, you don't think RBR, you know, whatever. Any other president or any other politician known by initials, three initials. It's it, very interesting. Look at the numerology, right, of these initials. And then AOC, right, she's one of the, another one of these um, people that just comes out of nowhere, right? Right. They just, she's, they she's a waitress. A, a, you know, socialist waitress, and she's cute, so, you know, uh, so therefore, you know, she gets the this the limelight. And she's got no experience of anything. Man, I got to write down some song lyrics. I just got a idea for a tune about a socialist waitress. My guy, she's bust on my guitar, man. I got the inspiration. But um, so it's set to the tune of My Name is Luca. <laughs> Suzanne Vega, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but anyways, the it's really super interesting, right, to look at that, um, that this stuff, you know, the psychology of radio. I mean, this is a major study, right? But you have, um, again, you have, you know, Lacanian, uh, Lacan is a, or was um, this very arcane, very complex sort of post-Freudian psychoanalyst, right? 
but very important. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing, like, okay, Freud, you know, Freud was the first person to discover the unconscious. It's like, everything's unconscious, you know, like I'm unconscious. What's, what the heck? See, I'm not swearing. Halloween beeper, personal beeper. Right? I'm not going to swear, but the first, I mean, understanding right of this term, but we, you know, Freud, whatever. Okay. He's totally, what he's doing is creating a model that's that you accept as a model that's real. And then you accept that, but the model itself um, may or may not have certain aspects that are correct. Right. So who Edward Bernays, right. And propaganda, right. So that was Freud's nephew. That's applied stuff. And then the inner mirror, right. The, this Lacanian stuff, which is a lot more complex, very hard to, you know, get a grasp on, you know, it's, he didn't really even write anything. He had basically discourses that were noted down, but this all ties into like all events, right? These mass events that appear to be real. They may not be real. They may be real. It's just, that's a war of the worlds. That's a deployment, right? All the stuff that's ongoing, uh, these events, um, the stage events, um, not that they didn't occur before that, but state you know staged or not i mean you have all the stuff is being deployed like aoc why is she known by three initials and well, you AOC, know i i can't even remember and that's her full name i guess it's is it is it an occult organization yeah yeah that's an acronym also for an occult organization but it's also numerologically extremely interesting if you look at the sequence so maybe she's going to be president man i don't know i mean you know but that's an What's example the, uh, occult organization just look up AOC. Um, Midnight Occult Civil Servants. Uh, I don't know. I'm not seeing it immediately. Okay, I'll have to look it up. It, it's a French. It was a French thing. It, this stuff gets scrubbed off the web, man. Um, I, you know, like I said, my uh, as I talked to you before the show, my Zoom got deleted from two computers. It was uninstalled. I had, but then once I um, I started to okay, reinstall. Okay, so Appalachian de Origin Controle is that it? uh that 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 may be it yeah let me i'll, I'll look it up so but yeah uh, here it is right here oh you got so, it. aoc french pronunciation protected designation origin uh interesting yeah uh well this is wines cheese and butter so maybe that's not it i put in cult so <laughs> well you know there there she's the she's not the she is the checker of cheese i guess she wants to outlaw cows. You know, I we were cracking up a couple of weeks ago. I had uh, Greg Quinones on because, you know, in India, and you've been in, to India a lot, uh, India has 45 million sacred cows. So we're going to have to have one massive sacred cow barbecue, you know, to get rid of all the cow farts. Yeah, I, I don't think you really want to eat um, most cows in India. I mean, cows in <laughs> India. I mean, no, dude, I, I've been... Um, I used to have a couple anecdotes is that, you know, one time I was actually, I used to swim across the Ganges, right? I met this guy. Oh. Yeah. In Benares. But it was, I felt great, man, doing it. I mean, this, you know, like there's um, like these wrestlers, right? Today is the day of Hanuman, the monkey God, the God of wrestlers. But anyways, this guy is like, you come, you swim the river, you get manpower, you know, something like that. And so I just, I started doing it. I swam all the way to the other bank. And at that time, it was quite wide. It was great until one day 
I, I'm swimming and it's something just because it's yeah, I mean swimming across it's a big river right it's not yeah. like you know it's pretty it's yeah it's you know it was whatever like six or five a.m. or something but I, I this thing starts grabbing on me it was a carcass of a dead ox that had been thrown in the river and so it, I got entangled with it I, I made it out but that you know you made it out so I mean, well, obviously, I, I wouldn't be here <laughs> talking to you. Yeah, you obviously, you you always state the obvious there, giving you a hard time. So uh, <laughs> you you got to swim with a dead ox. What was that like? Did you uh, did you did you praise it? Did you put flowers on it? No, it, it just it 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 came. It was like below the surface and started coming up, and it was just, like it started the gases made it float up or what? I mean, I'm just trying. I'm swimming. I'm swimming fast, right? I'm trying to get back. This is a return journey. This is like hardcore. It, right in the middle where it's really fucking deep but um so much for swearing oh i didn't say that that was a hindi word <laughs> but uh you know you know i mean you see these things i mean some of them eat garbage i mean they're, they're every but they're everywhere i mean they're they're they'll just you know it's real you sit down and sleep uh, in the middle of the road i mean i remember i was in a park I li- living in delhi and at this park i had the honor of being chased both by cows like bulls like just coming after me like a herd of them it's the largest park in asia it's huge right there's all these uh ruins you know mughal ruins and stuff but these herd these oxen were chasing me and then i also got chased there by transvestites hijras so the hijras um you know hijra is a you know they're most of the time i mean sometimes they actually have their genitalia cut off like they'll give one child of the family or whatever there it's it's weird you know but anyways, it, but they sing and dance and they're really tough. They'll get in your face. They'll like, they'll, you know, they'll, they're not, you know, but they're all singing, like singing songs with their bells. And I didn't give them money. And then they all get, they're all, then they, more of them kept coming. You know, They're all surrounding me. And then they started like grabbing my clothes and I had to escape. So same place I was so around. So you had now. to escape a gang of transvestites. Yeah. In that same park, you know. But yeah, yeah, not the same day, of course. I mean, yeah, so. well, there's probably a good humorous story in there, you know. Yeah, but anyways, you know, so Halloween, I the reason I just thought about that, and Jan, if you want to, like, I think it'd be good to do like a retrospective thing. But just what I was thinking about is throw this out real quick because you know we have these things that we think are these rituals, right? These are these festivals, and supposedly. What they say is Halloween was created by children. Children actually created the modern Halloween as we know it. Because it wasn't, like I said, it, it's something that we think is kind of like Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus was, you know, 1890s uh, advertising. That, yeah, Coca-Cola and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And so, but, you know, the, the passage of the seasons is such an important, you know, part of life that that's just missed, right? You think about yourself being connected with seasons, and just yeah. You know, what, and so Washington it, Irving created Santa Claus, and it's based off of Krampus, and it's part of the goat-related themes. Krampus is the uh, evil goat god. You know, it's all there's all kinds of uh, nastiness associated with uh, the dark side of of. Uh, uh, Christmas. Here's here's Krampus, by the way. You know, talking about uh, <laughs> you know overlap with with dark themes. You know, but it's it's what you were just saying. It's sort of a uh, cart before the horse because when you look at like the witch's cauldron, uh, 
that was the cauldron that they were brewing uh, poisons in to poison the masses. This is how they created and spread the plagues, you know, and boil, boil, toil, and trouble, and, and you know, and all the ingredients in this uh, Shakespeare thing, Shakespeare. And uh, all of this was the actual ingredients that they were using in poisons that they would pour into the wells and stuff to poison the masses to spread these mass plagues and stuff. Pretty hideous. Also, there's a lot of hallucinogenic substances, right? Those yeah, well, poison. sure. Well, you know, the, the witch's broom. And I don't know if I believe Carl Ruck and these clowns I've exposed before. Carl Ruck is the... Professor at Boston University that I exposed. He was working on uh, MKUltra Subproject 58 with Gordon Wasson, Drank. And, uh, you know, so he was the one, I think, who originally put out the, uh, the, the what was it, scopolamine or belladonna rubbed on the broomstick and inserted into the vagina so that they could enter the capillaries close to the, you know, at the surface of the skin there. But, you know, and then they would go on their flight or whatever. But, you know, I think half of this modern mythology is created by, you know, the CIA folks like Carl Ruck and these guys. But um, let's see. There was the the witch's hat is a direct takeoff of the Puritan hat. And then, you know, I'd done an entire analogy of this stuff over, you know, about a year, year and a half ago working on the, uh, the Salem research that we were doing. So a lot of uh, meat there, you know, and witchcraft is real when you get down into it and you understand what it really is. You know, for those who haven't read the old book, it's like four or 500 years old, uh, Hammer of the Heretics. I don't know how to pronounce the Latin. Malefic, Maleficorum or whatever. Mal Malefic, Malfactorum. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that, that, that really breaks down what the witchcraft is. And when you see what's going on today and you see what's promoted by the left, you know, murdering babies, transgender and sex changes and all that, all this stuff, that's exactly what that book lays out is witchcraft. You know, anything that was against natural law and against nature and against the extension of the family, anything that was eugenics and promoted this disruption of the family, all the Julian and Aldous Huxley crap, that was witchcraft. You know, and then who was it? Uh, oh, Mircha Eliade and uh, what was the other guy's name? I have his, his books on the shelf behind me. Um, Sir James George Fraser, are who created the modern... Yeah, exactly. Who created the modern foundation of what is considered Wicca and witchcraft. And then I think... Uh, uh, Robert uh, Graves, who was working with Gordon Wasson and those guys. Uh, let me see, Robert. Let me just pull him up. Uh, he was a member of the um, OTO. He was the head of the OTO in England and worked directly with Gordon Wasson and these guys. But I think he was a large part of creating the, the Wicca thing. He created or he was behind the promotion of the Sufis. He wrote the book, The White Goddess. Um, you know, so he heavily influenced uh, William Sargent's book, Battle for the Mind. So, you know, there you go. Direct connection into MKUltra with with these guys. Like, like usual, he was here. Here we go. I'll just show him on screen here. Robert Graves. So tied to uh, or similar theme as Joseph Campbell, whom we exposed with all of the uh, Woodstock research. 
as a total fraud, an MKUltra guy. Uh, Joseph Campbell was working with the Stanford Research Project, one of the heads of the Changing Images of Man Project, and he created all the bogus mythology research, and that's what Star Wars and all that crap is based on. Uh, but he was a member of the Century Club, along with Gordon Wasson and Aldous Huxley and all of these but, guys. You know, um, yeah, like Battle for the Mind is actually, I mean, it's a decent book, right? It's an interesting book. Um, you know, like it opens up. Okay, it must be emphasized as strongly as possible that this book is not concerned with the truth or falsity of any particular religious or political belief. Its purpose is to examine some of the mechanisms involved in the fixing or destroying of such beliefs in the human brain. Uh, and it goes on. How it happens, what is achieved. The brain, okay, a little further on. My concern here is not with the immortal soul, which is the province of the theologian, nor even with the mind in the broadest sense of the word, which is the province of the philosopher but with the brain and nervous system, which man shares with the dog and other animals. Okay, so isn't that interesting, huh? So, you know, it's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's junk, right, garbage, but that uh, battle for the mind is, is, is definitely something that should be considered um, in terms of what's being presented. But again, notice like War of the Worlds, there's a myth put forth of people succumbing to stuff, an event that, that they see on the mass media, they think it's real, and they create this, you know, hysteria. Um, and But that actually, the research, we talked about that, right? The research was really exaggerated as to the actual success, right, of the War of the Worlds project, right? And it, again, taking place on Halloween, which we find was created. Um, again, I'll go to that article, Halloween and the Mass Child. Very interesting, right? We think Halloween being this old festival. No. People, okay, the word also, just like Washington Irving, right? The word was coined or popularized by this poet, Robert Burns, you know? And um, I read some of his poem, Halloween. But it's, uh, it's a very interesting poem. But it wasn't, there wasn't, it's a modern thing, okay? It's 1920, maybe, that what we think of Halloween as being a festival, started now probably many many other things were going on and other you know rituals or even family ceremonies you know what did it replace um that's you know but again it's the same thing it's kind of like war of the worlds right so battle for the mind also it sort of also helps to deploy the mind control technology right by having people accept the fact oh my mind can be totally controlled externally because of this stuff or this blah 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 you know what i mean subconsciously at least right sort of creates the the valence the acceptance of certain things and in fact allows you to be suggestible it's a type of suggestion <clears throat> like you will believe that this false event actually is real and 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 you know what i mean so that's even encoded in war of the worlds but also was really a study of mass psychology and then again bringing up orson wells and his connection with the the draconian censorship efforts in the Roosevelt, you know, administration. I mean, they were hardcore. You know, this history is, is a history of real, talking about major, you know, established people, you know, that were just, you know, just blasted and taken down. All, I think all, everybody was taken down, right? Um, and so, but Orson Welles was working with FDR, creating 
public mythos, public, you know what I mean, Citizen Kane. Is that really the best movie of all time? Or we've been told it's the best movie of all time, right? So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, Rosebud, you know, you think the snow thing dropping the little ball. I mean, that's kind of cool. Rosebud. But is it that great of a scene? I don't know, but we're told it's great. So we now, you know what I mean? We're kind of locked into that mode. And I think that's what I'm saying about these narratives, you know, that are constructed. But um, yeah, I wanted to say something about the uh, the War of the Worlds because that's such an interesting uh, interesting thing, right? I mean, it's people don't understand how important it is, right? It's like a it's like a mythology. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know what we had found is when we were doing the research on War of the Worlds, and I spent all the time at Princeton doing the research on all of that. I thought that that was at the time the oldest precursor to the MK Ultra program. And then when I began all of the research on Salem and looking at all of that, I found that that was another one and that was being run by Harvard and they were doing uh, you know, uh, inoculation experiments and whatnot on the uh, population of, uh, of Salem, Massachusetts. And ironically, what most people don't realize is, you know, they think Salem was some podunk little town and, oh, well, you know, the, the Christians, they were just stupid and, uh, you know, believing in their, their myths and fairy tales and they got caught up. But, you know, you got to, when you start real reading the material of these people from the late 1600s, they were way more intelligent than your average person today. And not only that, but Salem, Mass. was considered a country on its own, and it was the wealthiest city in the United States with massive banks and, you know, as a massive trade center and port and whatnot. And all of this stuff was cornerstone. So, uh, you know, to the original tests. And, and what they did was they spun it against, they cast a spell against the Christians that lasted 327, 328 years. Uh, that was a complete lie against what really happened. And, and Harvard and Cotton Mather and, um, you know, Benjamin Franklin and these guys, they were doing human experiments on the population for inoculations. Uh, I had put into a spreadsheet or, or a database on, uh, you know, all of the different uh, substances that were acclaimed or claimed to have been the result of, of Salem. One of the stupidest ones is ergot. And so, uh, you know, because what they wanted people to think is, oh, they just went crazy on ergot, which is, of course, a precursor of making LSD. And uh, so that was the cause of the whole thing, which is complete nonsense. And then when you go, you know, I, I plugged all of this stuff into the spreadsheet. What I did is I went through all of the case files and read the reports of what the girls involved in the Salem Witch Trials case, what they claim were the actual symptoms that they had and what were the actual symptoms reported. And then I went down the list of all of the official claims of the substances and what was uh, the potential and then I put in mercury and cinnabar, which is mercury ore for those of you who don't know. It's a red stone, by the way. And uh, all it hit, I think, all but one of the symptoms out of dozens. You know, so, you know, it's pretty obvious that they were, you know, and of course you have uh, mercury is used as, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? And in, in vaccines and whatnot. 
but uh, the, well, you, you know, know and real quick, Jan, you know, mercury was very important in, in um, witchcraft, of, no tantric practice, because mercury, if it's prepared correctly, right, you actually develop you known as cities, means powers, right? Um, you have to be at a certain stage, you know, like usually a Noth order, some of these other uh, orders, right? Uh, but the mercury you ingested, I think, in the form of like a ball, it has to be prepared. <clears throat> but you actually get one of the powers is actually flying from taking mercury, right? But it's, yeah, it's a, but it's, you know, of course, very dangerous because if it's not, I mean, I've known people that take, took it, you know, they're taking it or whatever, um, but it has to be prepared correctly. But yeah, so it has a long history, right, of um, being known as a very deadly poison, but being prepared in the right way, it's a really very potent hallucinogen or maybe even more than that, right? Uh, right. Well, and, and, and in witchcraft, it's a strong thing too. Um, so there's all of these associations to the red stone in witchcraft. Uh, but cinnabar, and I'm just trying to pull that up just so people know, here's what cinnabar looks like. That's mercury ore right there. And uh, but very heavily used in uh, witchcraft and whatnot, um, you know. So we had tied this to the uh, Salem witch trials. Ironically, Gordon uh, Sumner Redstone, who ties to the Beatles, yeah, the ties to the Beatles, right? But but also, I mean, of course, that's not his real name, so he chose that name, right? Sumner exactly, Redstone. Sum Sumner, Sumner Redstone, right? Like even Sumner, Sumner is like what Summoner, Summoner. Is right. Summoner, 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 Summoner Redstone. Yeah, you're right. I, I hadn't even thought of that on the first Sumner. name. It's, so, it's not Summer, right? There's a M Sum, Sumner Redstone. Yeah, Sumner Redstone. And like some, so this is almost like, uh, you know, some kind of a puzzle. And, and for know, those of you who don't know that he was tied to the band, the police, <laughs> and of course, you know, G Gordon Sumner or Sting, interesting, Gordon Sumner, Sting, was the lead singer of the band Police, and of course he was another agent. And then Ian Copeland, and uh, you know uh, Stuart Copeland was the drummer. Ian Copeland started the new wave music movement, but Miles Copeland Jr. was a founder of this little organization called the uh, CIA. You know, so this is how Gordon Sumner and Sumner Redstone and these guys tie into this this whole thing but you know uh yeah so that's really interesting that you caught that but uh salem witchcraft cinnabar redstone um you know it, just really interesting associations there there was a uh paper also, hold know, on just real quick there was a paper by cotton mather the, the first sig significant figure of american medicine and we see in his paper that he was discussing the red stone or cinnabar in his research. And then, of course, uh, they had found uh, 17, I think it was 17 bodies in Benjamin Franklin's basement. Benjamin Franklin was a student and protege of, of Cotton Mather. And Cotton Mather and his family, his father, founded Harvard University. You know, so they were doing all these human experiments. They tried to bomb Cotton Mather's house. And, uh, you know, uh, so, so uh, really interestingly, so if we look up Ben Franklin, uh, his brother, okay, so here's Benjamin Franklin. This guy was a real freaking creep. But his brother, James Franklin, founded the American Hellfire Club. 
you know, so those of you who, who've ever watched the film Dorian Gray, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the, the freaky crap that these guys were into. I mean, we're talking real witchcraft, real, real dark, uh, dark stuff going on there. So let me see, where's somewhere here. I've got the, uh, the British, British, uh, well, you know, and their logo Hellfire club, their logo, I think, was it not like do it thou wilt. It's connected with Rob Lay, right? Some they have some connection with that that uh, Rob Lay, uh, the very interesting writer, right? Medieval writer. Um, but uh, yeah, the Hellfire Club is uh, you know really kind of fascinating, right? This whole thing. So started in England, they had their own you know sacred grotto and all this stuff. And oh, who really even knows? And then They're Oscar not- Wilde was on the cover of Sergeant Pepper's. Go figure, right? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, not Hellfire Club is fun. Fun yeah. thing, man, you know. But yeah, so you know, this this whole this whole uh War of the Worlds thing, when we look at it, that's it it really under what was it, uh Project Artichoke which uh shoot, you know, it's like we get so many uh things that we've researched over the over the years, but it really became the precursor of the of the uh, CIA's MKUltra project because they were studying how they could manipulate people. And then, you know, there was that whole nonsense with uh, Buddy and Barney Hill, which is a couple hours away from uh, Salem, you know, in, uh, in, in New Hampshire, right next to the, uh, oh, oh, there's a, a, the, the big gorge or whatever that you hike in. It's a national park in, 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 or state park in New Hampshire. And it's like right outside is where the Betty and Barney Hill UFO thing took place, right outside that thing. But it's all pretty close there. But, you know, we also had discovered all these ties between the UFOs and MKUltra, you know. But, you know, all of this stuff ties together. They're all intel operations, and they're all lies that are put forth in front of the population just like halloween itself and then they're propagated into the popular thoughtless mind yeah how about that you know that song i am the god of hellfire and i bring you fire you know yeah but that that of course too that one of the shootings right christ church was he not listening to that song um one of those wasn't he playing a lot of uh Bulgarian, uh, I think it was, or Romanian country folk music as well, which I found was really interesting. Or was it Serbian folk music? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, but that, it, I think just thinking of the song "Fire," right? Yeah. Um, and so, but Hellfire Club, you know, Fire or Redstone. All, all the thing I was going to interject, y'all, is just that people change when someone chooses a name, right? They pick a name, then like some the Redstone. It's very, very plausible that this may actually have may actually have all the symbolic significance right even sumner you know anybody with that first name it's not a normal you think it's like summer but it's sumner you know um so i'm just just interesting uh thing there but uh just wondering if any of the audience if people have questions or yeah you know like that. that's hilarious i was just about to type that into the chat box right when you asked that so yeah any questions from the audience while we're going here we're we're 40 minutes in already if you can believe that also, please support the show, logosmedia.com. Uh, you can send donations to contact at logosmedia.com, or you can hit the Patreon button there. Also, Bitcoin donations there is 
in the uh, in the descri show description as well as I'm posting it in the chat now. Hans, why don't you give out your uh, PayPal so people can send you donations as well? Just uh, HansUtter at Hotmail.com, H-A-N-S-U-T-T-E-R. And greatly appreciate any support, folks. And by the way, the Super Chat is working again. I know it was off for, what, three months. They had demonetized my my channel over complete nonsense. You know, 400 shows, and I had uploaded, like, three very short clips, and they said that my my channel had too much original, uh, unoriginal content. That, that was their excuse. Uh, you know, so they picked these three out of 400 and said I didn't have enough original content. If you can believe that. Hey, so. hey Jan, I'm just going to get up just for a second. So you keep going. I'll be back in like, uh, less than 45 seconds. So. All right. Well, good. Thanks. So, uh, uh, Ting Tang asks, do you think these death cult people have kept, ethnic people practicing their death practices and have they a hold over some tribes and people because of the thousand years of seeding it. Possibly we covered that with uh, General, uh, Brigadier General, what was his name? Thomas, let me see. Uh, I'm just pulling this up here if I can find it. It was Brigadier Thomas Harrison. Uh, he had brought back the the head hunting in uh, the Pacific Islands and in, in uh, oh shoot, what island was that? Now I'm forgetting. But uh, he had brought back the head hunting there to use uh, against the Japanese during World War II and uh, had promoted all of that. So Borneo, let me see, converts the Dayak people. Uh, to their old, yeah, so here we go, reconverts the Dayak people to their old religion of headhunting to kill the invading Japanese. So, yes, uh, of course, you know, the Christians had come in and stopped a lot of that, you know, because Jesus was the last sacrifice. So then he was, you know, and, and drank this in remembrance of me. So Jesus essentially ended all of these human sacrifices. But then you have guys like... Uh, you know, this this Skull and Bones guy, Brigadier General uh, Thomas Harrison, bringing back this very thing in, uh, in Borneo. And he was a member of the, uh, the British Army, uh, promoted by the Left Book Club, you know, Sir Victor Gallants, which I covered all of this uh, several years ago on the show with, uh, oh, goodness, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now. It's been a few years. But... Uh, Anyway, we covered all this several years ago. We also did a series on the faking of history and whatnot. So there's uh, one answer there. Uh, what else do we have, folks? Any questions from the audience? Is there a question? Yeah, was there a question? Yeah, there was one. I was. Yeah, they, he was saying, uh, you know, did were some of the practices kept going as far as the you know some of the uh, headhunter stories? of some of the indigenous races. And I was just talking about Brigadier General Thomas Harrison and his bringing it back in uh, Borneo to fight against the Japanese and saying, oh, no, no, you know, you can go ahead and headhunt again because we need you to eat Japanese people, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, some of that stuff, though, is ongoing, right? I mean, you can go to places where there are headhunters. Yeah, see, um, is this... this tribe, I mean, I, you know, there are tribes, man. You go in some of these 
places, you know, certainly. I mean, it's still, certain things still exist, right? I mean, they're not just, but again, you know, there's all kinds of different things going on, but, you know, the idea of tri a tribal consciousness, right? So that's almost like applying, understanding like some of these social orders, right? Even say, for example, headhunters for cannibals and then applying that to subcultures within a, a modern society, right? You, you start to, you know, um, invent a tradition or else it's connected with you know, some, other, some other type of practice, right? Um, and so, you know, it, there's, you know, at least some evidence, right? That some of these practices have continued from antiquity, right, from ancient times and have been passed on into certain, you know, initiatory orders. And, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of oral traditions, et cetera, but of course, you know, unless you're actually directly exposed to it, who knows if it exists or not. So let's see, uh, Brian Murray is asking, uh, Hans brought up, Year one of evil, 1966, last show, will you elaborate? And I'll just say right there, you know, 1966, that was the year in, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, they kicked off the summer of love and all of that stuff because of the 6-6 relation. You want to go into more of that? Well, just that reference was just, that's in Rosemary's Baby. And when she finds out like the secret fake door of the closet, right? And she walks through there and there's steps into this hallway and there's all these paintings. One of the paintings, which is interestingly enough, the uh, a painting of Notre Dame burning down. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. If you catch that, you have to freeze that frame. But anyways, yeah. And so the child, it, it turns out, you know, she sees her her baby is actually Satan. And it's like, you know, they're trying to like keep her from the baby. And everyone's like, oh, or some people are like, congratulations, you know. And then, they, you know, I so said, this is year one. This is... 1966 is year one of the new reign of Satan. The, you know what I mean? Like, and it's literally like year one. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting. It's tied with also some current events, you know, at the time um, there's uh, there's little few interesting references. I, what I, what I noted though, seeing that movie, right. A lot of these films, we see them almost, you have a memory of it, but it's, you're almost like hypnotized, right? You don't really have a clear, recollection of the scenes or whatever you know you know what i mean and so that's what i saw it a long time ago but that rosemary's baby was like i was like wow i didn't remember a lot i remembered sort of getting a, a feeling of dread or whatever but then when you see it um you know and all the associations right the dakota building right and and all that john lennon you know assassination and, and you know all these things you start to see all these interconnections, um, especially 1966, right? Because the summer of love was, you know, it, was it really a summer of love? There was a lot of military operations going on during that summer. There's a lot of stuff going on, right? But again, you know, I think we, during our laying the dead to rest, we showed, I think I, I got some footage, right, of these local television stations, you know, in San Francisco, like doing these, pieces on the grateful dead like on on just normal we're talking about you know large market you know it's hard to think now but you know you should just have your local tv stations right you'd have that's it if you're in san francisco new york city you're going to have a certain number of stations you have to tune in you don't have thousand channels or whatever you can just flip through and go insane slowly 
But, yeah, when I was a kid, you had like three or four main stations, and that was it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but the CBS was like, this was CBS Corporation. They were showing, you know, they have the local stuff, but it was, you know, it, that's all there was, right? I mean, in terms of, of course, books and print publications is distinct, but I mean, so it's not just like a public access video, right? We, we saw that. It was highly done, highly well done um, with, you know, obviously three or four camera shoot, you know, it wasn't just something, you know, I mean, it was really well well uh, organized but there's all kinds of embedded stuff even this like a guy talking just kind of rambling and saying these words almost don't make sense you know just kind of this uh, ericksonian hypnotic induction but that's before the dead were even popular right they're still a local band um and so the summer of love you know you have um you know if you go to san francisco which if i believe was released in 1966 was it not but that was part of this great summoning to the um the gathering of the tribes in San Francisco, um, you know, and, and so you see that this, that's another sort of mass created movement. It was something that, you know, it, it was, um, well, we've got into all this in detail, right? The way these events, the, with the connection with the FM radio broadcasts um, and all that, right? So it really was, um, it was um, kind of reverse engineered into America, into the culture, right? In kind of a different way, you know, Kind of a uh, kind of an underground or a backwards way, but anyways, throw some stuff about the, the summer of love because that's that's so interesting, right? It's just the summer of love. Who who decided to call it that? The summer of love, right? Well, and we see uh, love being used by the left satanic groups as sort of a cover, you know, because it has that nice emotional appeal to it. Oh my god, it's love. It has to be good. Oh my gosh, you know, and so they. They fall into that without thinking further of it. Oh, my God, you know, well, you know, drugs and sex has to be the real spirituality. And then I don't have to, like, follow any moral codes of ethics, you know. So it, they promote this whole antinomian, you know, uh, ideal of, you know, so that, that way you don't have to follow the the established laws or rules of social constructs to keep our society together you follow this antinomian nonsense that directly attacks the core of the society and the culture so that it literally falls and so then we see all of this you know hypersexualization we see these people fornicating in the mud to their rock idols to their rock idols you know in the mud at woodstock and so if you don't get the bigger picture you're not seeing what is being promoted here so you get people to worship rock idols stone idols rock idols you get them to fornicate in the mud like swine and you know they're high on drugs and which cause a state of hypersuggestion, which is why I renamed them suggestogens in 2014. And then all of this stuff can be promoted heavily into them. You know, and it's like you go to Bethel, New York, where we did all the research on uh, Woodstock, and the symbol of the Woodstock Park, which was a farm back then, uh, the symbol of the park now is uh, the Pied Piper, you know, misleading the children along. And, uh, you know, it's... The symbolism is all there when people open their eyes and are, are willing to see it. But, 
You know, so it's all of this sort of satanic stuff that goes on, this sort of hypnotic whatever that goes on that kind of manifests all in one in, uh, in Halloween. And why candy at Halloween? You know, because the witches who would kidnap children and sacrifice them would use candy to lure the kids to the doors so that they could kidnap them. You know, and so then today we celebrate all of this sick stuff and people say, well, you know, it's just harmless fun and it's fun to dress up and all that stuff. Sure, it is. And Halloween was my favorite holiday for years. I used to, you know, I went to like 16 or 17 Oingo Boingo shows on Halloween with Danny Elfman. That's the largest, that was the largest Dia de los Muertos, uh, you know, show around every year. And Danny Elfman and Boingo did the whole Nightmare Before Christmas. That was that that whole movie is Oingo Boingo. They did the whole movie in concert many times, and um, but you know that you know just ignorantly going along is how they get you and how they get you celebrating something that has very dark and insidious origins. Well, you know, and that's the thing about Halloween that's interesting, right? There was a tradition of basically pranks right boys getting together and doing pranks on that night and so halloween um was actually totally constructed um there was no costume wearing there's nothing like that at all right it was completely an invented tradition um and so all these that's what i'm saying is these associations with this or that you know kind of a cult a cult thing or this history um it's not you're not you're talking about what what we think of um in um you know in 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 terms of halloween is trick-or-treating but so i mean i can read some quotes but basically um every year's every year authorities determined anew to control the pranksters but the boys outnumbered the police by the second decade of the 1900s cities offered halloween festivals as an alternative to divert the pranks into more socially acceptable forms of fun such festivals spread quickly and grew in popularity. Um, we go through by 1921, Los Angeles City Center was invaded by goblins, black cats, witches on broomsticks, yama yama girls, clowns, and some hoodlums. Thousands in varied and unique costumes strolled through the, the streets. So, um, so basically, what we have is that I mean, and then the, the pumpkin heads. Um, 1930s is a report from 1930s, 1930 society page um, in uh, in Berkeley, California. Uh, it says, uh, quote, under the personal supervision of their parents have made sport Halloween Eve and this year have planned weird as well as fascinating costumes and going from house to house down the block to make merry upon little wagons. Uh, wait, so processions of elves, um, they have the pumpkin reference, upon little wagons or kitty carts, the jack-o'-lanterns will be loaded and then uh, to be trundled through the neighborhood by masked and sheeted little figures on doorbell ringing excursions. So this was, again, it didn't exist. Even this idea of dressing up like witches, goblins, even the jack-o'-lantern, right? Because that's, um, isn't that a guy that was, the story jack-o'-lantern is like a, uh, I don't want to make, get this wrong. It's like Irish folktale or something. And so it's, it actually relates to a, a bargain or a deal with Satan. 
it's it's actually signing your soul over to Satan. Um, and that's where that 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 folktale, the jack-o'-lantern came from. So the, all these elements, right? Okay, you have kids getting together and doing pranks like juvenile delinquents. And then suddenly you have these major municipalities suddenly giving candy out. And you mentioned candy. It's projected 2019, $88 billion of candy sales. Wow, I had no idea. $88 billion. It's a huge... Sorry, eight point eight billion. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah. still. Okay, still, still, still a, it's a lot. Still a ton. Sorry, of, but it's still a, a ton two. of money, man. Wow, from candy. Could you yeah. imagine if the population put that to good use rather than to creating cavities in children and and inflammatory sugar caused diseases? Good grief. But notice that I mean, I just throw some stuff out here. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go through all this stuff. Um, uh, you know, but it's quite interesting, right? There was controversy about it, but then you wonder who and in, who introduced it, who gave this idea to the, the, you know, to divert children from doing pranks. We're gonna have trick or treat, but we grew up with it, right? We just think of it as this festival. We say, oh, this goes back, you know, the Celtic festival, or it's like okay, All Saints Eve, and then there's certain like Roman festivals, you know, related. I mean, the whole one of the ideas though is that the the doorway, right, between the the spirit world and the material world becomes porous, right? So these entities or beings can pass through, or you know, people can pass through this this sort of doorway, whether it's this, you know the spirits of ancestors or whatever, you know. So and maybe there is something to that, you know, in terms of just the uh, the Earth's rotation around the sun, or who knows. Um, but you know, it, it's it's fascinating, right? That that's it's totally made up. But then who actually made it up? That's what I'm interested, right? Who signed the checks? I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's going to tie back into the Princeton radio project. Who knows? But, you know, I mean, all these occult symbols were just, are just used. Um, and then other thing like I dream of genie um, bewitched all these movies, you know, about these happy witches, um, this and that. Right. So the, it, it's being intergenerally. Well, and, and, you, and it, right. Exactly. And then you, you know, I've got that freaking uh, photograph of, uh, the statue and me in front of it in Salem mass, you know, and let me see if I can find that thing, but it's of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, bewitched, uh, thing there in, in Salem mass, you know, so they even took that and promote that or made a statue of it that they put right in, in the center of downtown, uh, Salem mass uh, to promote, you know, further promote witchcraft. And of course, you know, we had shown last year that Salem Mass is just a Disneyland to promote uh, Satanism, right? You know, the, it, the whole thing is a farce. It's there to attack Christians, make Christians look evil, and make uh, Satanism and witchcraft look glorious. That is the whole agenda. And then they parade you around these you know, these totally fake uh, Disneyland-like stages. They convert churches into museums, and then they parade people through them. And look how evil Christianity was, and, you know, uh, look how they did this. And the whole thing is a farce set up by, like I said, Cotton Mather and Harvard, etc. But it's, it's all a big farce to attack uh, Christianity. And Salem is the the center, the epicenter of that whole thing. And then what's in Salem, Massachusetts, 
but the headquarters of the Church of Satan. So, of course, they're going to put that crap there. I, I can't find that photograph right now. I'll have to to find it later but uh, or just forget it. But, you know, when you get it, the whole thing is, is a bait and switch and a spell to, uh, you know, to attack Christianity and to make it look bad and to get people to attack the foundations of their own freedom and what makes the core foundation of their free society. And, uh, you know, so there was somebody who asked Cosma Fox, I think I'm just looking for her comment. Uh, she said the free love children of the 60s promoted birth control and abortion to their children and spawned modern feminism and all its rejection of family values. That's exactly correct. And who other than Aldous Huxley created the term the pill? And then, of course, uh, Margaret Sanger and I was reading... Uh, the, the letters between Margaret Sanger and Julian Huxley, ding, ding, drink again twice, uh, <laughs> at, at uh, what was it? That was the Firestone Library at Princeton, uh, going through all of those letters there and seeing exactly what they were talking about. And they were talking about creating a national holiday for Margaret Sanger for promoting eugenics against the uh, freaking population, you know? And so, but, you know, the Huxley family, and like I've said, anything that, uh, if they have a, the name Huxley attached to them, whatever they've done is a hot, stinky pile of you-know-what. And you can't trust anything that that family has done or promoted. Like uh, t Sir, you know, uh, Thomas Henry Huxley was Darwin's propaganda manager, or Darwin's <clears throat> bulldog as he's, as he's uh, promoted, but it's all garbage when you get in and when you really start to look at it, it's all spin. They go through and whatever the Bible says or, or what have you, they take it and they invert it, and that's the exact agenda that they promote out to the public. So I'm just looking to see if I can find uh, the, the Princeton. So here's Princeton Mud Library. Here's Margaret Sanger. It may have been uh, it may have been the uh, mud library that I found these at. But here's Julian Huxley, Sir Julian. Uh, honor for your request to join the International Committee being formed to commemorate the life work of Margaret Sanger. There you go, right there. All this garbage. And world tribute to Margaret Sanger. What did she do? She got women to murder their own babies. And, they, and she got women to celebrate the murder of their own babies. You know, and so this is Arthur Crock, interestingly, and signed by uh, Julian Huxley right there. You know, <laughs> so, you know, you can't get more ridiculous than this than this uh, crap. And they get these women to think that it's their right to murder a child. They actually think that the child's body is their own body. They don't even understand basic biology and then they go out in the streets rallying to have the right to murder children and so now liberal feminist women are the largest murderers in all of history no joke so let's let me just pull this up really quick hans and i'll pass it back to you i just want to pull up the uh abortion clock here and so uh let's see if i can find it here number of abortions worldwide 
as of today, 61.7 million babies, women. That's how many people you have murdered. So if you think Hitler or Mao or Stalin or Trotsky or Lenin, et cetera, are, are bad and all you stupid liberals go around screaming Nazi at everybody who disagrees with you, you all are the largest murderers in all human history. Back to you. Uh, well, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, we have the idea that um, the, the population is, is expanding, it's over the top. You know, if you have kids, I mean, that's going on today. Well, well they, they, they've been showing that the world population has been on a massive decline for a couple decades, you know. So where is it at? Well, that overpopulation, I mean, this was big, right? In the 60s, even 50s, whatever, you know, the world's going to get overpopulated. There's not enough space on the earth for everybody. And, and at that time, whatever population we have, 7, 8 billion, whatever that is, that was considered even Well, back that. in the 60s, it was like 2 billion, right? So then they promoted free love and free sex, hypersexuality, to curb the family, right? But, you know, if you want to limit the fam or, you know, population size, you would want a strong family where they actually understand these things. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, um, I just, these are all just different generations. These are just different phases, right? Of these things being unrolled, um, being accepted, right? Or even if they're not accepted, they are no longer permitted to be spoken of, right? They're hidden um, in terms of like a contrary position, like abortion or something, you know, if you're against that, you're like, you know, pro-life and then, you know, pro-choice, life and choice. I mean, what a weird dichotomy. Why, is, why does it have to be pro? Pro-life movement. Why is that? Even, why did you choose that for the name of your movement? You could say anti-abortion, but anyways, but pro-choice. I mean, a woman has a right to choose. Okay. Well, but then that, what does that become? It becomes. What if it's you know, a, what, what if it's a female baby in the womb, then how does that baby choose? Well, no, I mean, yeah, of course it doesn't choose. <laughs> but I mean, to say this is where it's the way it's uh, presented. Right. Um, and so you, these categories of thought, right. These divisions of how we perceive even these concepts, right. This, this is where you start to say, wait, this doesn't, Makes sense. I mean, right now, of course, things have reached this extreme level um, of alienation of, you know, rapidly, at least among European cultures, just rapidly flatlining birth rates um, or, you know, I mean, not even replacement. While rates. Islamists and other uh, nations are, are going through the roof, right? Yeah, but again, it's the idea of freedom, right? And, and it's, you know, and, and the thing is, like, for getting pregnant would basically be the man would have to take care of the woman somehow. He could, you know what I mean? Unless he was like a brigand, you know, some kind of a cutthroat. I mean, you have to take care of the woman. Um, and that's, you know, I guess that sucks or it doesn't. But you know what? That was, in fact, you think about it as a form of security. But having a kid, I mean, that's that's this human species living on Earth. It's not just like some some lightweight thing. And as a quote, I saw it in some, some YouTube thing about um, from Spengler, you know, Decline of the West. But he says that, the, you know, the desire to have children is so far beneath the almost the level even of anything else in your life. Like it's such a primal 
thing of such importance, but also it's, it's almost transcends your rational choice or rational mind. But he says that when it becomes uh, looked upon in terms of like cost benefit analysis or other types of uh, categories and that civilization is on its way to extinction. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of a, you know, a major thing, but also of course this is um, promoted. And the thing is, look, if you have a kid, think about it. If you're young, right, you're 18 and you have a kid, by the time you're 36, that kid is already graduated, you know, is in college, whatever. So, you know what I mean? So that's, so it's in 36, you're not really that old. Um, you think you feel like you are maybe, but you know, you're not really at all. If you look at, you know, the, the scope of life, you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, all these things of course are, 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 are linked, interlocked. Um, and then again, the, this idea of, you know, free, free sex, you know, like this, this being promoted as the ultimate thing a man can attain to is being what was called a rake, right? A rake, somebody who was um, a philanderer. You know, there's always been people like that. There always will be Don Juan, whatever, but it was a very unique type of personality. It wasn't really, you know, looked up to at all. Right. It was, it was, um, you know, a source of approbation from the society, but that's become the basic model for everybody is that you have to just have as much sex as possible with different people. And it's, you know, it's not your life. It's your sex life. Like, look at that word. Do you say you're, I guess you, I mean, I don't, again, it's attached to life, sex life. You say your drug life. No, you don't. You just say your drinking life, your video right. game life, your reading life. Oh no, but only your sex life is like this, you know, so it's, you know what I mean? It's almost a separate thing. And, and if you, again, going to the fact that this is like this really innate sort of biological species wide, you know, directly connected with earth, right? This reproduction and everything associated, you know, and your conscious mind, you may be experiencing all these blissful things or whatever, or maybe not so blissful, but you know, you're in love or not in love, but you know, so that's what he's talking about that drive. And that's exactly what was tapped right with the sexual revolution with the the feminism right that was tapped sort of made semi-conscious and then turned against itself in the population um you know i mean i hope everyone's following me i think that's kind of well i think that was the huxley's plan you know uh tim leary all of them that was the whole point of mk ultra sex drugs rock and roll hypersexualization as a way to destroy the family you have you know uh, polyamory rather than families and you know because aldous huxley these people were fabian socialists and socialism doesn't work well with a strong family backbone you you have to have single mothers you have to have you know homosexuals that can't have children you know, unless by scientific methods you can't have, you know, transgenders, they don't have children. So these people, their family trees are, are annihilated. And so you have to have that strong family and extended family to have a good social uh, societal foundation. So the Fabian socialist goal was to wipe that out. And in order to do so, they promote hypersexuality, homosexuality, transgender, you know, the LGBT QWERTY community, etc., because they can wipe out the family, and then in its place, they put in 
socialism because these people are going to rely on uh, government to support themselves later in life. Without that family foundation, they have to have a big government. And so this is what you know, the left is begging for constantly more and more and more and more government to sustain themselves because they've lost the foundations of what a, you know, society should be, which is based on family. And, of course, they're going to attack families. They attack father figures, you know, uh, you know, uh, what do they call them, uh, reproducers or whatever, you know, uh, breeders, that's it. Uh, people who have families and whatnot, they, they attack all of this and make it a negative. And then you want to create, you want to get women into the workplace as much as possible because the more they're in the workplace, the less they're at home taking care of families, which is the foundation of the whole society. And, and so now motherhood is looked down on as a negative. And so you attack all of these core things and you spin them to their antithesis. Women should be chasing careers. It's not to say women can't have careers, but when they're in these roles, many women don't realize they want a family until they're in their mid to late 40s, and then they hit menopause, and then it's too late. You know, So that's the real uh, agenda behind this stuff. Now, Justin... Lee had made a point a minute ago. I had uh, posted you a question in the chat, Justin. If you want to answer that, I would appreciate it. We don't want any shiksas in the uh, GDL shiksas, sister shiksas in the in the chat or whatever. So let me know what's going on there. I didn't get your point. Type clearly. Anyway, go ahead, Hans. Oh no, I just I was just listening. So um, yeah, well, you know, there. I mean, there we go. Right, we have the um, you know that's the real difficulty of our time, right? Is that everything is inverted. Um, you know, there is, there really is a, you know, a real clampdown on thought, even though there's a lot of stuff that's come out, you know, from the internet, et cetera. Right. Uh, but that's, that's also transient. It can be transient. You know, you can easily control that. Um, you know, it just as you go and, you know, actually probably, you know, harder could control like print or things like that. But, you know, they, you know, it's the, it's the dimension of um, these repeating cycles and types of initiations. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, now they're, they've become in a lot of places, their law or their sort of de facto law. Um, and so you have feminists, they're not doing anything about massive rapes in Sweden, what are the feminists doing about that? Nothing. Okay. So, so then, you know, the whole thing, you start to really look at it because you're looking at these different levels of ideology or these belief systems, which again, they're not really, um, they're grounded. Right. So that, that's kind of like the center of kind of Marxism is it's, it's really a, an ideational, right. It's an idea that's being imposed an idea of the mind that's being imposed through the practice of revolution and through, um, you know, various levels of social engineering transformation, as well as through militant armed revolt, but it's an idea. And they go through these cycling of these ideas that, that you know, that result in what murder deaths of hundreds of millions of people. Um, Paul Pot, you know, and by example, you know, they can stuff in Cambodia, right? They got even Cambodia didn't even have a currency. Yeah, he actually got rid of the currency. At that time, it was being promoted as this kind of worker's paradise. 
um, and you have Noam Chomsky writing in glowing terms about Cambodia when what happened again, they had no currency. Everybody got paid in these little tins of rice. That was your, your whatever. And then you'd, every night they'd have these confessional sessions where you'd have to say what you did wrong, how you went up against the party, how you sinned, you know, whatever. And that, but so the whole family units were broken up, right? They had people all displaced, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And it was these like camps and all this stuff. And it was insane. But that was based on this idea, right? So murdering millions, millions, millions of people going back to year zero, like year zero, year one, right? Year zero is the, the year of the, the end of history, um, you know, of the rise of the proletariat um, and the, the revolution being actualized as year zero because there's no longer any time, right? That's the, the end of history, right? This idea of the, the Islam and the West going at war or the end of history, right? The, uh, the, the, you know, the, the fact that history has ended, um, which is being applied to modern capitalist society, but using that Marxist term that we've, we've already, we've basically done everything that can be done. We've created this ideal, completely eternally stable society and culture and history has ended. So, but it's I'm just kind of tying that stuff in. So this all, it's all interlocked um, red, you know, red stockings, right? That was actually interesting feminist magazine where, um, you know, the connection of the CIA, you know, with feminism was actually highlighted with research and that magazine was shut down. But, you know, again, uh, you know, these things that, you know, that things that, you know, you could have fads, right? I mean, look at the romantic poets, right? The English romantic poets, uh, Lord Byron. I mean, that guy was pretty damn wild, right? I mean, they were, they were all, you know, but they're all connected with these kind of revolutionary ideas um, and that kind of thing. And that was in, you know, 1820s, 18, up to maybe 1860s, 1880s. But that was really reserved for a very small segment. These were all basically, I mean, most of them, right? Lord Byron, I mean, he's coming from a huge, massive inheritance. He's actually a lord. Um, you know, almost all these guys were, were coming out of, you know, the aristocracy, right? Uh, money, money, noble families. Um, but that romantic poet thing is what was recycled for the myth of the modern rock star, right? So they went back and took that. Um, but it wasn't really, was it a mass movement? I mean, no, maybe among some certain parlors and, you know, sort of upper strata in, in France and England. And no, it wasn't, you know, and it, you know what I mean? But it was sort of it's very different, right, from these type of mass movements um, that we have now. Um, but I, again, just going back to this recycling and, and things being incorporated, like the jack-o'-lantern, that, that's part of this constructed, invented festival that was created supposedly because there are all these hoodlums of, you know, youths, males that were going out and doing all these, all this, you know, uh, pranks or, you know, destroying stuff i almost said destroying shit i didn't do that all right but um you know but no the the, the cities are gonna start passing out costumes and giving candy you know and so so there you go there you see that this was totally invented i mean you're piggybacking on other existing things but um so when they say oh halloween's roots go back to you know celtic festivals and all this stuff well halloween's roots go back to like 1920 in terms of what we understand it to be, right? The word itself was introduced by a poet, as I mentioned, Robert Burns. Um, anyways, so that, 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 but that's where you see, you know, 
it's we're though at a stage where we can see all this stuff really actualizing before our eyes right so what's happening you know the feminine you know the, this extinction of the population um you know and then extinction rebellion you have these um you know uh funded organizations these funded groups i mean it's not even at least in the 60s right there was some cover you didn't think that it was just happening and so no, but you have this ex extinction rebellion one example right they're doing the whole thing you can they're all being funded by like huge investment firms connected with energy in the power sector you know what i mean it's like it's soros or whatever so you know it, but you know so in that way it's way very very apparent um and you know that's why i said i think the roots of this you know we're, we're sort of at a tail end but it's these similar processes that are being invoked that are just being run through again and again you know it's like a blender you know, but part of it goes to the level of the soul or the mind. I think each one of us has that choice, that autonomy to stay outside of it. You know, you know what I mean? And I think that's why a lot of stuff is on the mind level, or as you say, the level of the soul, the level of the spirit um, certainly is occurring there. Um, but it's just reached such a, such a level of absurdity in the, in the modern, you know, the modern society that it's just, uh, I mean, it's, it's really humorous, right? It, it, it's funny, but it's also like, no, man, you know, it's, um, you know, you can, there's consequences, right? You can spend, you know, go to jail or be, you know, fined or whatever, but these are, um, anyways, you know what I mean? These are just like minor things, you know, that you don't even, can't even uh, describe. That was kind of a huge rant there. So I think no worries, I, man. that was it. That was my final statement. Oh, I was trying to weed out a troll or something that somebody was upset about in the, uh, in the uh, chat there so you know these these uh, steve outram funded uh, gdl trolls are sort of leftist fake neo-nazis that raid chats and spread all of this hate speech and propaganda they're funded by tom stayer and steve outram and all these people and uh you know it's all this chaos magic that they do but they try to overrun the chats with all this hate speech and try to paint everybody as nazis and all this kind of stuff but it's all a big uh you know, psychological operation that they do. And then they, anybody who disagrees with their hate speech and their bull crap, they, they label as a shill and then they do lots of attacks on you. So that's what I was dealing with while you were going on your rant there. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, Jan, so I, I probably hang around um, for about until the the mid of the hour, the bottom of the hour. Well, sure. I was just going to say, you know, we can uh, wrap it up here in a few minutes. Um, I was just going to ask the audience if they had any question. And uh, Ting Tings asks, uh, has your research looked into transition towns, a branch of the Heritage Society of New York? I am asking because they appeared in masses in New Zealand, then made themselves known publicly in 2012. Okay, ask them for some more information. I'm not. What do they do exactly? Um, it's, uh, is it a type of a town or is it an organization or what is it? Yeah, I don't know. So Ting Ting, Shiny, please provide some more information there as quickly as you can. Uh, transition towns, a.k.a. self-sustainable UN people. I mean, it sounds like that's kind of the answer in the question. I, I, but I have, not, I have not researched that personally. Well, I don't even know exactly what it is. I mean, just even based on that statement, is it a person is it a is it a is it like an organization um is it is it a, a physical domain is it you know who knows 
So I can't, yeah. They lead the self-sustainable communities in New Zealand. Air quote, self-sustainable. You know, it's like the uh, this, the windmills and solar panels everywhere that go up and destroy the environment and need more oil to produce and whatnot than they uh, save in the life of their usage. Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being self-sustaining. I mean, if you can grow all your own food, have your own water. Sure. You know I mean? be able but, to well, completely... the, the, the issue is like these huge windmills that they cover the mount, mountainsides and deserts oh, yeah, with. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. a complete farce. You know, it's like going after cow farts to stop... Uh, Methane, you know, more methane comes out of the ocean floor in a day than all the cow farts in history. And then you have, you know, liberals on these vegan diets that, you know, fart 10 times more than, than the cows, you know. <laughs> have you so, done a study of that, Jan? You've fallen around liberal, vegan liberal. <laughs> well, you know, I, I used to be a vegetarian and man, you know. Your flatulence. Oh, you know, dude, it was terrible, <laughs> man. It was absolutely terrible. Thank you, Prague Underworld, for the... Uh, Support there. Much appreciated. Uh, please show your love and support. Hit the super chat there. Uh, let's see. Culture vs. Man or Culture versus Man says, Hans, do you like Harry Nilsson? I confess I enjoy his music, even though it may change me. Um, you know, he's a he's a really a, uh, a, a nice composer. Um, really interesting music. Uh, you know, I, I think he's uh you know, he's talented. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a real art, um, especially, you know, when you're doing arrangements for types of ensembles. And I think he's, he's a definitely, uh, you know, I think he's a, he's a good, uh, solid musician. You know I mean? He's a, he's, he's a good composer. I mean, I, that's, I, you know, that's my extent of my opinion, but I think he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's a, you know, he's got a lot of interesting arrangements. I mean, you could talk about taste wise, you know, I don't like this. I think this is cheesy. Um, but whatever, I mean, he's, he's, uh, so no, no effects. I don't think from Harry Nielsen, um, except to make you more funky, <laughs> make you more funky. Yeah. So do you want to give out your, uh, email address again so people can send you, uh, donations, Hans? Sure. Yeah. It's Hans utter at hotmail.com. And you can donate to the show through, uh, the Patreon link up at the top of the screen or down in the, uh, Show description as well as in the chat. I'm posting it again right now. Thanks for the support and love, folks. Logosmedia.com. You can also go to the website and support the show there or send uh, Bitcoin donations for the episode. Appreciate everybody's time. Hans, thank you so much. 11 years. Can you believe it? You've been coming on this show for a decade now. Your first appearance was in 2009. Yeah. Thanks, Steve yeah. Mer uh, Mercer, for the uh, show. Uh, Culture versus man says, lame question, I guess. Thanks for the response, peace, Jan. No worries, culture versus man. Appreciate the participation, everybody else as well. Good night, everybody. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll do a show next week. 11 years of this, man. Well, you know, I mean, Jan, if you had a, you know, you might want to just do, let me just go over like a retrospective of all the research, you know, just dive into stuff. That'd be kind of interesting. I mean, that, that would have to be your, You'd have to do that, but uh, go through maybe... go through four hundred episodes and take little <laughs> snippets of all of it and put it back together. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would take the me like of... yeah. The, the best of it would take me a year to uh, like. Could you imagine listening to four hundred shows of myself? So that would be like <laughs> six seven hundred hours worth of material. I mean, some of these people have actually done it, but I don't know if I could listen to myself that long. I think I would go crazy. 
You might, (laughs) but it'd be worth it. It it would be, you know, I think, you know, going back through your and my shows, especially would, (laughs) would really uh, pull out some, some gems, but yeah, there's some good stuff. You know, of course, a couple of weeks ago we had Greg Quinones back and we discussed the whole, you know, the whole, uh, uh, green economy fraud and all of that. It's all a fraud, you know, and, and it's so easy to get the liberals caught into uh BS. Thanks. I belong in the kitchen for the, uh, thanks. Much appreciated. Thanks everybody for your participation. See y'all soon. And, uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. You got anything else you want to add Hans? No, it's everyone. And have a great, have a great night. Uh, my, uh, PayPal is Hans and uh, yeah, I uh, just enjoy the seasonal transition. Doesn't mean you have to go trick or treat. Right. And send us each, you know, $500 donations. So uh, we can get some nice meal and pay the bills. And it's getting freaking cold up here. Got to pay for all the heat. Anyway, good night, everybody. And uh, much love to you all. 11 years signing out. Take care. <laughs>